Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward who has over 10 years in the markets. How are you guys? The podcast has a simple format which will see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week we're looking at Shopify, Amazon and Wirecard. First things first though, Henry, how's your week been? See, the week has been pretty, has been pretty stagnant at the moment. We have dollar which hasn't really moved. We're not sure whether it's going to get stronger or whether it's going to get weaker. It's at one of those points where it's at a turning point in the market. So what we have to do is we have to wait and see if the dollar is going to get stronger or weaker. And then we can actually make a decision of what way to actually trade this. We have the same with the indices. They haven't really moved. And Nasdaq's an all-time high, but it is sort of sideways as well at the moment over the last couple of days. And the same with the European stocks. They haven't, they haven't really moved. Okay, perfect. Well, let's talk about the first topic then, which is Shopify. Shopify was founded in 2004 in Canada and is an e-commerce platform. So it's one of those that people will use quite regularly without even realizing that they're using Shopify itself. I talk about Shopify quite regularly in, in the office, and not in a good way. It just in the pandemic there came down to the low in December 2019, which are really good technical level. So anyone who's a technical trader would have seen that. And I missed my entry. I was also in it last year in about June and it started making lower lows. And I then ended up getting stopped out because it started making lower lows. So I now have missed this twice and it's now gone on from there. It's gone up 105% since my first entry. Oh, so it's been a problem stock for you for a year now. Yeah, it's been one of those ones that I can't, I just got from there. So it, it swings low very quickly and then it swings up very, very quickly. So I'm not used to a stock like this moving so fast. So yeah, it, it sort of caught me off guard. But as you can see, someone who's been in the market 10 years, you can also make mistakes. As a trader who's missed an entry a couple of times, when you're now looking at Shopify, is it something that you're just like, oh, I just don't want to go anywhere near it? Or do you just have to reevaluate when the next entry point is and then put your fundamentals back into practice, go for it then? Absolutely not. You, you, you do not stay away from it because the, the likes of the way Shopify is moving, is, it's once in a lifetime sort of stock. Okay, It's like trying to get Amazon at the very beginning or Apple at the very beginning. Remember, this stock has only started in 2004. So this is very, very new still in the, the life cycle of this stock. So the idea is, is that once we get a good entry point, we then jump in and we hold on to it long term. Now I'm saying that I did jump out of it in, in last year, but the idea behind this is, is, is you don't jump into trades that after you've missed your entry because you have a set of rules for that. And anyone who's done my courses, you have five rules for one entry and you have three rules for the second entry. If you've missed your entry, you now need to sit on your hands and wait on the, wait on the marketers. There's a very, very, very good saying is, 10% of the time is looking for entries. 10% of the time is setting up your stop losses. And the other 80% of the time is sitting on your hands. Because remember, let a trade come to you rather than you hunting for a trade. Because nine times out of 10, if you're hunting for something, it's not there. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. With Shopify, if you'd got in at the low, you could have actually made about 189% this year, which isn't too shabby. <laughs> so 
even after all these gains, is it a stock that people should be thinking about investing in in the next kind of few weeks? Or is it one of those where you want to wait a bit of time and as you say, sit on your hands and let it come back down for putting your money in? Well, see, it's one of these things. Yes, you have a stock that if I had a kind of low, you'd be nearly up 200% now. So yes, that is a phenomenal return. But once we look into the, the nuts and bolts of this, it's been run very, very well. They have very little overheads. If you look at, they've established themselves very well in the e-commerce world and is one of the market leaders. If you look at Mac Mahoney from RBC Capital Analyst, if he's correct, he's a, a predicting Shopify to his 25 billion. Whereas we now see at the present moment, it, it's at 1.5 billion. So that is huge upside out of making one of the largest platform companies in the world. Now, my theory on the likes of this is I'm not big on using analysts. But if you look around Wall Street, people in Wall Street have the same sort of predictions for the likes of Shopify. So my thinking and my theory in the likes of this is if it gets anywhere near the 25 billion, you will have a huge spike in the market price, in the share price by the time 2028 comes. And that's the idea. So this is something that is, you may get in right now and it may drop down a little bit, but over the next three, four, five years, you would expect it to go on from strength to strength. Yeah, $25 billion in annual revenue by 2028 is a very bold prediction indeed. Does an analyst have a hidden agenda ever? when they make these bold predictions? Well, see, you have two types of analysts. You have analysts that are paid to come out. So how many times do you see analysts come out and say that Bitcoin is going to hit 100,000 or it's going to hit 250,000? And you're looking at him going, but why have you been smoking? Uh, <laughs> I think I am one of those people. So if you, if you but, find me in the pub on a Friday night, I'm that person. But that, that, that is it. But what also happens is Wall Street will go out and these big companies, these companies that people are interested in, they will go out and get independent analysts to actually do a report on it. Now, the idea is, is just imagine there was 10 analysts to do a report on this and they will do a projection for the year. They will do a projection on their, their earnings. And what they will do is they will match it then up to the companies projected earnings. Now, if they're similar or the analysts are predicting more than the, the company is, then they will start pushing this stock out to clients. Now, the thing with this is, is that what they will do is they'll get the, just say there's 10 analysts, they'll get the 10 analysts, add them all up and divide it by 10. And that's the number that they will use. And it's called consensus. And when you get the consensus in Wall Street, that is, that is pretty decent because it's not actually done by anyone hidden agendas. It's not actually done by the company itself. It's done by independent analysts and it goes from there. So if you want to know more about consensus, just stick it into Google and read up on it. And it, it's something that I take into consideration when I'm looking at stocks long term. Yeah, so you should be keeping an eye on what analysts are saying about a particular stock. However, if it's just one person shouting about it, then it's worth reading a little bit more and seeing what the general consensus is. Absolutely. The consensus is the, is the main one. It's like, you, will, you will get so much stuff on the internet about particular stocks, but it's the consensus. But if you look into the likes of this, why it has gone so much is because it's Q1 earnings who have skyrocketed. Why? Because they have gone into mass production over the likes of the coronavirus pandemic. It is a company that's only 16 years old. And I also expect the Q2 sales to be also up. Why? Because people are using the likes of these platforms 
platforms more and more and more because we've only now been released from work. So if you're, if you're a business owner and your shop was basically on the high street, you've made no money over this pandemic. But if you're someone who has an e-commerce business, you can be still massively making money. And a lot of these e-commerce businesses have actually made more money through the pandemic than before. So do I expect in Q2 sales to be good as well? Absolutely. It's just making sure you get in at the right time. And I'm talking about the Q2 reports generally come out between one to two weeks after June. Okay, well, that brings us nicely on to another e-commerce company, which you may have heard about, uh, Amazon. Now, I think everyone knows how well that they've been performing in terms of sales. But how has that been reflected on their share price? Well, compared to Shopify, they've actually done nothing at all. But in reality, when you compare it to the other big four, they have absolutely blossomed. Since the start of the year, their stocks have risen by 47%. So once you compare that to the other big four tech companies, their movement has sort of been unprecedented because they're not a small company. So for Amazon to grow by 47% in the space of the six months since the beginning of the year, that is huge. Whereas Shopify has grown 105 since the beginning of the year, but remember, it's a smaller company. The market cap is much smaller. So it, it has much more room to grow. Whereas Amazon is, is already one of those conglomerates, but it's, it's grown by 47%. And that is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, Amazon is the second biggest company in the US, uh, only second to Walmart. And it's interesting how they've diversified into everything now from cloud computing, digital streaming, AI. But it's unprecedented. The movement that we've just had, it's the volume of people that have been ordering on it is, is how many times do you get deliveries? I see, I see in my house deliveries come at least maybe we could get four to five deliveries a week. Literally. I think I'm friends with the Amazon delivery man now. He says <laughs> every time. I mean, it's a joke how often he's in my house. To put it into perspective, my last delivery was beer pong. Dylan, what was your last delivery? Yeah, a little bit different. I had a, a pram come through the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just for people out of context, is it was my birthday on Saturday or Sunday. So that's why beer pong. And Dylan is expecting twins. So um, <laughs> that's why the pram. <laughs> Any day now. So as we're saying, we're receiving a lot of boxes from Amazon. But how are they actually keeping up with demand? Because they've had to scale so much in such a short period of time. Well, in March, Amazon had a drive to employ 100,000 new employees for the warehouse and delivery operations. So that is absolutely huge. That, that is one of the, well, everyone has been let go. Amazon are actually employing people. Now, if you look into the consensus out there, the consensus is in Wall Street, they're looking for Amazon to get to a price of 3,200 which is also another 21% rise on what is happening. So if Amazon can actually meet the demand of the, the world at the minute, because it's not just Britain, it's not just America, it's the actual world. If they can meet the demand of the world, why wouldn't it rise to another 21% or even further? Unless they're even talking about it getting a 4,500 or even 5,000 mark, which is a huge upside for the likes of Amazon. But we sort of want to keep it our prediction's small, so that means that we're able to be a tangible and hit. So that's the idea. So if we look at this over the next 12 months, we would expect it to potentially hit 3,200. 
Okay, well, let's move on to topic three, which is Wirecard. So Wirecard is a German payment processor and financial services provider, which is listed on the German stock exchange. Now, this has been making the headlines uh, over the last week or so, because effectively, if I was at home and I lost, say, £20, I would be rather annoyed with myself. However, Wirecard have gone one better, and they've managed to lose $2.1 billion in cash. I mean, that is quite incredible how a big company like that can lose so much. So how is it possible? Who knows? It's phenomenal, isn't it? 2.1 billion, which is absolutely shocking. But this, this is a very strange one. But if we look back at December 2014, Tesco released a statement uh, to the stock exchange uh, in which they admitted that they had identified that 250 million overstatements in the first half profits of the year. So it is not uncommon, but is highly irregular. Now, from what I read, the missing money actually doesn't exist. If we look at it, it looks like that the Philippines bank that was supposed to have the money has come out and said that any money that was associated for the likes of Wirecard didn't exist. And any documents that say that we were in partnership with them is actually fraudulent. So it's, it's actually coming out that the money didn't exist, which means then that someone was up to no good. Now, I can't prove that, and we'll find out over the next months and years what actually happened, but it doesn't look very good for the likes of Wirecard, does it? I mean, it's terrible news for this business. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to ever get their trust and credibility back, but this obviously affected their share price. What's been happening Look, as everyone expected, it's it's like being it's like someone has has cut the bottom of a black sack, and you're just looking at the black sack and it's empty. Their stock price has dropped like a stone. Now, over the last three days, stocks have dropped from a hundred and three dollars down to as low as sixteen dollars. Wow, that's an eighty-six percent of a drop. Yeah. So, if you had been shorting that stock, well done, well done. You've had a you've had a really good ride on that. So we are, we are down to a $16 position, whereas we could be looking at a position, are they going to survive? Because most people see this and go, oh, it's at $16, let's now buy it back up again, and it, the only way is up for it. But not necessarily. We could, we could see this go under, because $2.1 billion, whether that's overstatements, that's not a good look. That's a big chunk of change. So their CEO has naturally resigned and uh, I think it's their chief compliance officer who's taken over. What will he need to do to bring positivity back into this company or is it just a lost cause now? Well, the question is, can he? Okay. If it's fraud on the company by sort of an employee that has, has stolen 2.1 billion, if you are, you better be out of the country and under a rock somewhere because they will, they will find you. Or if it's fraud to deceive creditors, to make the stock and make the company look like it has more money than it has. Now, it's too early to say no fingers have been pointed to anyone, but yes, the company is still doing business. And it's creditors, it's also debitors, it's also people working with them. Will they start distancing themselves from Wirecard? But what you will see is in the Tesco's examples, is, is customers don't care. And as long as you can still give a good service to people, they will continue using your product. Their auditors have refused to release their quarterly reports. Why would anyone think about investing them at this time? So people invest in the likes of companies like this because they think that the sort of the only way is up. Now, they will also anticipate that, look, it's at $16. If it goes the whole way to zero, then 
I've lost my money. This is not the end of the world. So they'll put a small chunk of change into a company like this. But if they can turn this around, if they can get sort of good publicity, if they can get the board members to not find the money, but if they can get an investor to come in and actually start pumping a little bit of money into them, they may actually potentially be bought out. As long as they continue with their service to their clients, clients will continue using them because it is a very, very strong company. The service they give people is really, really good. So that's, that's the good things for them. Now, the bad thing is that they're missing 2.1 billion, which is <laughs> a huge, huge, huge amount of money. Now, a small little fact. <laughs> Yeah, does, does that mean then that their share price is going to drop? Does that mean then they're going to come off the German DAX? Do you know what I mean? All those things add up. But if you can continue with the service, if you can find some sort of money on a board, if you can find some sort of investor or a sugar daddy to come in and help you, then yes, we can see wire cards surviving and then potentially going. But investors, what they will do is they'll have a small pot of money that when they hear about stuff like this, they will invest in it. Okay. And then if the stock recovers, the return on the investment is exponential, but they also know that their money is massively on risk so that no one ever puts in a huge amount of money or their capital. They put in a small little bit that if this turns, it's like, it's now like a penny stock that if penny stock will go 100, 200, 300% of its, its market price, if it takes off. And that's something that a lot of customers will potentially take a, a little punt on. And the, the direct example of that is Hertz. Hertz went into administration and all of a sudden then it had a nice jump. Now, if you can predict that, there's a lot of money to be made because it could go two, three, four hundred 400% of its market price and then it dies off. It's sometimes called a dead cat bounce. You love that yes. phrase, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, great. Well, that wraps up uh, the three topics for today. Before we end the podcast, though, as we always do, is there any other sectors that people should be keeping an eye on? Uh, well, look here, for me, the one is, is like I said before, is dollar. Dollar has to make a decision, um, whether it's, it's going to get stronger or weaker. And when that decision happens, then as foreign exchange trader, we can, we can decision whether we're going to long or short on it. But we are at that point where you have Federal Reserve coming in. There's talk about bonds being, being bought up again, stuff like that to get the dollar a little bit uh, more stimulated. But look, only time will tell. If you look at the likes of the crypto assets, put crypto assets there as one because whenever Bitcoin takes off, they all follow. So that's the equivalent of the dollar index for the FX. If crypto takes off, it's still between a 9 and a 10K mark and then go from there. But for me, the big one to keep an eye on now is individual stocks. We have the Q2 reports coming out at the end of June, which means then that there is loads of potential there. So make sure you're looking at the likes of the tech companies. They have all done extremely well. We've gone through three of them here today. One of them has, hasn't been doing well because um, of money gone missing, but the other <laughs> two have exponentially gone on from strength to strength. Now, with their Q2 reports, if they're good, we will see the stocks jump higher again. So just make sure you're doing a little bit of research, you're Googling on what is the expected returns on, on the Q2 reports, and then we can get in there for short-term returns. But then sometimes people will actually go, oh, well, it's gone up so much, now I'll actually hold on to it long-term. So that depends on what type of trader you are. If you want to know a little bit more about it, just jump onto my Tuesday webinars, which I'll be going through every Tuesday, one till two. You can actually go into a little bit of detail of what we expect to happen in the markets over the next couple of weeks that wraps up this week's podcast we hope you all enjoyed listening and uh, we will be back next week for more thank you very much bye-bye
You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.